Hello folks and welcome to the podcast, What's the Scene? And I'm sitting here in a lovely room. It's a lovely room. It's got beautiful acoustics. All we need is to find out where we put the scene. I think it's behind the chaise lounge. <laughs> I don't know. There is a chaise lounge. Oh, with... I can see its legs. That, that couch looks designer. Uh, my name's Adam Jacobs. <laughs> designer what? <laughs> De- design, design, degenerate, designed to, design to uh, make the the blood stains <laughs> less visible, <laughs> more actual. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Which is a lovely entry into our topic for discussion this evening. That's right. We've made an evening of it, folks. I hope you have planning on settling back, listening to this with a glass of wine in hands. Not not that we're in that way inclined at all. Not only have we dragged ourselves into the 20th century, but we've dragged ourselves into the, the 2020s nearly. Oh, so Because close. we are doing oh, a film that was has done rather good uh, business in uh, 2019, and we thought we'd finally do it. We'd finally mm. break into something that was <laughs> you know, kind of, you know, not something for 60- or 70-year-olds. Uh, that was rele- Actually, relevant. Actually, no, I lie. Is- it is really for 60- or 70-year-olds, but that's a theme that we'll take up later. Isn't it? It is a strange film, and we're going to play a little guessing game in a moment because we're not going to let you get away with it easy, listener. But it's a strange film in that it is kind of, and here's the word, a little bit tropey in tropey. a way. So oh, is Lord. it really new? No. Is it, it really you know, new? Is tropiness, tropey is tropey. Is tropey well, is tropey does. tropey's a little bit pol- more polite than hack. Yes. And it's certainly, oh, we're not in hack land We're certainly here. not in hack land no, because we're, we're talking about yeah. a film that is yeah. very good. Yeah. Like You can't do a trope if you're your own uh, director unless you've done it so many times that people say, yes. Then this I is guess... the man we're watching it. It's not Tarantino mm. because he does tropes as well and he borrows other people's. This man has made his own. Okay, so they're signatures. I think we should probably call them signatures. Mm. Fair enough. Okay, sorry to the said director. So let's cut to that point right now. What is the film and how do we lay down the clues for this one? I mean, without have we, getting... have we actually picked a scene? Well, I kind of like the end sort of sequence with the De Niro character coming to terms. That's with, another clue film. With, that's the, <laughs> coming to terms with what he has to do. Yes. That, just and what that he has whole, done, of course. I mean, yeah, the whole thing yeah. is a retrospective of a man's life. Well, flashback. I guess so. Is and, another And that's clue. very much a trope anyway. It's uh, in some ways uh, everything is going back in time. Mm. Uh, rather than being in the here and now. And this is where this director um, is very good at telling stories, uh, yeah. usually with um, narratives and uh, narrators. <laughs> Another clue. Mm. Yeah. So who, who, who is it that is commonly known for using the, the VO, a bit of the voiceover, mm. using a bit of the flashback, and flashing forward to a little bit. Well, you, yes, you do. Well, um, it feels like that yes. after a while. Not so used to using true stories. Well, what we're doing is we're, we're dealing with American history and what we're doing is we're demythologizing while we're mythologizing. Oh, we are. Uh, it does. It works on. I mean, this man gets it every which way in this, this movie because it's about certain hits. It's about hits. I guess. I guess it's you know. It's about people getting killed. I guess. <laughs> That's another clue. It's another clue. Another trope that this this uh, <laughs> character <Killing happens. laughs> quite often. I mean, he doesn't always do um, hits about. You know, um, you know, from the bong, or you know, to the mob. Oh, yeah. another clue. Oh, there um, it is. Uh, or uh, fixtures like that. But um, he's very good at it, and uh, and this is why we're talking about his last movie, which is called The Irishman. Oh, see, I told you we'd drag you, kicking you, streaming, <laughs> screaming into the twenty twenties. Uh, we're yet to do a film that has been made in the same year that we produced the podcast. <laughs> or in your lifetimes, whoever is listening. Released, I should say. Released, <laughs> Released in, the, in the same year as the actual <laughs> podcast. 
And that's intentional to a certain extent because the classics well, it, are classics. It's good. It's, yeah. uh, it, it is for us the Christmas show. And I think that what we should do is <laughs> this is our Christmas present to us <laughs> and out there to you. To the rest of the world. If only Santa knew this trick, he'd be like, all I have to do is just a podcast. He, he would stay at home, <laughs> listen to the podcast, and no one would get any presents. Oh, well, well, that's true. And why wouldn't he? What a brilliant podcast. You are listening to What's the Scene. My name's Adam Jacobs. And I'm John Hewitt, strangely. And uh, we have interesting history, actually. Johnny, we should mention, is a qualified, a well-practiced and prestigious um, uh, graduate from... Oh, well, when you say graduate. <laughs> I was well, I'm well qualified to graduate in a lot of things. But when it comes to graduating in film, never quite. Oh, we'll get back to that some later stage, you know, just between you and me later. Of course. Hmm. He has, he has uh, done the film of the study, as they say. Uh, I've made some films and, and Johnny's been involved in uh, in making films too in pretty dramatic ways actually, but more to do with the soundtrack and what have you. So we're not coming at you from some sort of a zero point of ignorance. Yeah. We like to think that we may be one in... We're in ten, between one, zero and one of ignorance. One, and one, one in every ten things we say. Maybe true. <laughs> maybe true. We are in a, we're in a, a post... Trumpian. We're in a Trumpian. Did I say post-Trumpian? We're in a Trumpian universe So um, and post-modern uh, teaching uh, sort of notion. So th- some of what we say may be true. It could be. And the, that, what's the beautiful thing about it is that uh, truth can be applied after. It's a bit like a, a sunburn. You know, you just you, you, you wear it, you wear the things that we say, and then later on you can choose to apply truth. Uh, or not. In other words, you can choose to treat your sunburn or not. I've always thought after listening to our podcast that a good shower (laughs) (laughs) cures Uh, all. That's right. Oh, my gosh. That makes a sunburn sting, of course. All right. So the Irishman, and one of the reasons why we're attracted to this is because we have been talking about this particular director indirectly and directly uh, for some time now. Well, we have, and he always crops up because he's a giant in yes. cinema, he's a giant because he's a cinemaphile. He loves his movies. He's a he's a lover of America and he's a lover of America's history, and and um, and the history is really built for him, as is mm. for most of us, on film. It is. It's like you were saying. It occurs to me something that you mentioned like a little while ago, that this idea that the gangsters learned how to be gangsters by watching. <laughs> We did talk Gangster about that. Films. Yes. Well, you know, Jimmy Cagney and all the uh, the 1920s, as soon as sound came out, gangsters said, are we meant to talk like that? <laughs> and uh, so they went and they yeah. to school. And then you had, um, you know, the the, uh, uh, the Godfather and then a whole new group of gang- gangsters learned to talk like that. Yeah. And that gave, you know, so, um, you know, film and art mirrors life. And then you had the Sopranos, I suppose, mm. and, and on it goes. Mm. It's and a looking glass self sort of concept, isn't well, it? Well, it's not. It's, it's actually it's a feed that goes from one to the oh, other. Bio, it ricochets. Bio yeah, no, it, one, it, one gives them, the other oh, one takes, oh. and around that's, it goes. That's and, right. And, 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 and Tarantino and, will do this, and then you have. And to think all those units I did in uh, educational psychology. Oh, all wasted. We're, we're going to come you know, to some use at some until, <laughs> until this podcast, they have been. You know, of little value. But now you, we can actually use these and yeah, use the can. the tropes of of gangsterism and uh, American. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, getting moving forward and uh, and and all these different forces that force and move American culture on, like crime. Um, everyone's everyone's sort of informed by the pursuit of uh, well, I was going to say happiness, but it's more to do with the pursuit of, of excess in a way. It's uh, and power. Power is really at the centre. Scorsese, did I say that right? <laughs> that... I, I don't. You really lent into it then, Scorsese. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be happy with it. He would be. Um, one eyebrow is called Score, and the other side eyebrow is Scorsese. Scorsese, man. That's how I remember it. <laughs> They are the, my, the great caterpillars of life in, in, in uh, modern uh, directorial. Uh, as, as Robert Williams said, never to meet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so true. Never yeah. to meet. Yes. Oh, mm. Robin Williams. Uh, really? A moment of silence.
Indeed. And um, we and as we move on with Scorsese, he's always been for me one of the consummate craftsmen of yeah. uh, moviedom. Um, and you, which is why you had a problem with w- Netflix. Why is that? Well, I thought you were going to speak to this, but because he wasn't. He likes to think that movies should be, in the first instance, available to people in the cinemas. You know, if it's a cinematic production, of course, I mean, it's, it's straight to TV movies. You know, we're not talking about those. Mm. We're talking about the other, the other category, I guess. So he has a, he had a, he had problems with essentially making a movie. That was paid for by Netflix, yes. who was not in cinemas. Yes. But as, <laughs> but it co- as it comes about, as in all things televisual, um, it's it comes down to Netflix and the other big players who are you know crowding the market now, who mm. gave them the dough That's to exactly actually right. do all that um, uh, youthening. Is that a new oh, that verb was, that was of, a of good, our actors? I think that is a very important uh, thing because it was really convincing. Because when euthanasia, I was watching euthanasia, euthanasia he that's said, different. I'm glad he didn't tick that box <laughs> because there wouldn't there wouldn't have been much of a film. De Niro's last movie. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, last but if they'd done movie. it before the movie, you know, even worse. Anyway, the, the thing is that the, for those, uh, people, those people who don't know, international listeners, yeah. euthanasia is the when people volunteer to end their lives, just yeah. in case you know. Do they volunteer? Well, do they? I don't know if volunteer is the right word for well, this. This is, this is we have another podcast called <laughs> <laughs> Volunteers <euthanize>. of America. <laughs> But Some people might not know what euthanize, euthanasia means. To the point. Okay, indeed. <laughs> to the point, though. Sorry. Um, they were the only people who would actually uh, cough up the money. <laughs> That's right. To make, to make so all this uh, This is my question mumbo, mumbo-jumbo. As, as a Do good filmmaker. Do you think that's why he made it longer? Uh, oh, it could have been something that uh, could have been for... No, I, I, I would have thought that this was meant to be a three-hour film that you were meant to sit on, take your own plastic pillow or whatever into the... Okay. I think you were, And it was, at least in this country from which we are speaking, it was released for a very short amount of time and you could have seen it in all of its um, you know, widescreen beauty. Yeah. However, um, he did it for Netflix and it took me a few goes to get through this. Uh, because I find mm. that his work is very dense and because it's on television and as you all know, you young listeners, and I think there are a lot of young listeners, nine of them, who are listening <laughs> to this, you do uh, watch things and you want to stop it and go back and stop it again and, and this endless sort of repeat of, of mm. things and I do it time and time again. I'm a bit of a, a nerd. You don't have to worry because it's straight on television you don't feel guilty. That's exactly right. And also when you do stop something and you play it again, Netflix says, you know, hey, uh, did you want to have a look at the last uh, seven seconds before you get into the let's uh, pick it up where we left it off sort yeah, of thing? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, so and they automatically it, do And do it they for charge you. by the minute? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure they do by the feed. Well, they probably so, do. So it's all a part of that. It's all but, data. But uh, as course, as he said, um, he was he had troubles with it. I thought that you know he wanted to do the, the cinemagraphic uh, notion of having it in a cinema. Um, because he's a purist, and I love him for it. And we, we have mentioned this in our th- in many podcasts before that I think the purists length, are great I for think he's, cinema. He's thumbing his nose a bit with the length of it. It works. He makes it work. Of course it does. But he's sort of like saying, okay, so this is like a straight-to-TV, which he had a little problem with, but it is going to go into the cinemas, so one way or another I'm going to make someone suffer. <laughs> So he, there's people sitting in the cinemas for three hours. My Let, mate did it. My mate went and saw it in the movies. And what do you think? What what did his? Uh, he said, "Wow, man, that, that needed, was a long movie. It needed an interval or something." Oh, there was no interval. I don't believe so. You see, if you don't have an interval, there could be. I don't know. There are accidents. Will there, happen. Well, you know. That's why they make those uh, super. Yes. Size well, it's like Lawrence, Lawrence Arabia was three hours, yeah. and you would have a built-in interval. I'm sure that they would have done it. Any sort of kind-hearted, <laughs> you know, operator oh, well, would know. say, "Let's stop it now." But where? Because it, it is so. Uh, the whole film is actually. I was going yeah. to say urgent. But It'd be very confusing. Yes, I was going to say that the film is urgent, but it's not urgent. I think the film goes through in that same kind of stately pace. 
that a, a great filmmaker wants it seen to. Uh, he doesn't want to have uh, intervals or whatever. Um, I, and I want to go back to, we're going to talk tropes now, and we're going to talk about Scorsese. I want to talk about the, you know, the, the narrating. Uh, there's always a narrator. In this case, it's Frank. It is Is Frank. that a hitman? Is yeah, that a hitman? Well, Frank. If we get this wrong, we're really got it wrong. <laughs> but the, the idea of De Niro, De Niro telling his story yeah. from the start with yeah. that beautiful, um, uh, you know, that sweeping uh, dolly into his room where he, um, where we enter his life. Mm. It's a bit like Casino. You know, you start at, the, you start at the beginning and you end at the end, which is the beginning, and the it game, goes into yeah. a big loop. Which is mm. a trope in itself, all right? So that's trope number two. We're not going to count them, but I'm just going to say this, how it works. Anyway, he goes in there and we see Robert De Niro and then he talks to the camera and immediately the, th- you know, the fourth wall is broken and the fourth wall is very good because usually, um, quite often, uh, of course, he's n- never gone to that trouble, but we know now that this old man, broken man, is sitting in his chair talking to the camera as if, and he's talking to no one else. He could be a loopy old man in a chair. And it's really the audience. It's not specified. It's true, yeah. And then on it goes mm. so that we, we get, I guess, um, a version of the last 50 or 60 years of American history. He Well, and canvassing what is, I suppose, in terms of American history, one of the most controversial disappearances, and America has had a lot of disappearances, mm. but this one is particularly controversial and high profile because... There was no other really prominent figure of that type in America at the time. Mm. Uh, Jimmy Hoffa. It was Jimmy Hoffa. It was who uh, JFK, and then Jimmy Hoffa. Mm. That was it. That was all the, the the main players in America at that time. And we should say, for the benefit of, of our younger viewers, hopefully if there are any, <laughs> Jimmy Hoffa was. As I said in the film, bigger, bigger than Elvis. He was. And he was. He was huge. He was a um, you know the head of the uh, I think they were called the Teamsters Union, mm. and uh, he was uh, very important for anything that had to be moved anywhere in America, which is a very important part. If you were a I truck suppose, driver, or if something had to get somewhere, mm. this and that. Um, It'd be was, like for young it. people today ordering something on Amazon. Well, this is it. Jimmy I mean, Hoffa would have had a. And we are seeing, we are seeing uh, in some ways, um, you know, the foundation. And in this film, we're seeing the foundation of America, uh, you know, moving in transit. And nowadays, we'll say, you know, do you want a pizza? Well, I'll ring up now, and uh, we'll get it delivered yeah. by someone who's got a, a, a you know a backpack. So the Jimmy uh, Hoffers, yes, and Jimmy Hoffers got nothing to do with that. So, <laughs> you know, what I mean, it, it, you know, yeah, Jimmy yeah, Hoffer yeah, was yeah. Uh, very much. Uh, the, the the petering out, I suppose, uh, of uh, American unionism. Uh, I, look, yeah. I, I don't want to go too far on this because I know it'll be slapped down by people. But well, it's, uh, like, it's like Uber it was, and taxis was, in Australia. But when you, you actually had unions, there was a unionism yeah. in America that after the Second World War, which was quite strong, and was probably good for America. Now, I'm not I'm not casting nasturtiums, but I'm just saying that in this in this case, we're seeing the death. This film is about death. Mm. We see the people aging and they're dying, and a lot of them die on screen, and a lot of them die in a freeze frame. Oh, that reminds me of something else I'm going to ask. Oh, I know this is, mm. but you you do have this idea of Hoffa uh, being a, a, a kind of a kingpin, uh, and in our in this case, Hoffa uh, is uh, a giant the same way that John F. Kennedy is. And yeah. we're, we're seeing American history kind of explained. It is a little bit expositional. And <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if it's explained well, but it will do. You know, it's, the, a, it's a sort for, of version of truth. Yes, if you're a conspiracy theorist, and, and not that there are any in America, <laughs> <laughs> this, would, this, no would, to anyone. this would actually either solidify or cement their, you know, their theories yeah. uh, or, or you can just take it as part of a narrative. And that's the beauty of this film. That's what I love about film. It's funny because De Niro is such a friend to Hoffer. That character, the Frank character, is such a friend to Hoffer, and he is—he explains that he is the one that possibly uh, put an end to Hoffer. And the mystery continues today that there is no uh, substantiated explanation for Hoffer's disappearance. Mm. He went out one afternoon and he met up. He had a, in his diary to meet up with these people, and 
they say essentially that, well, we were there and he didn't turn up and that was essentially it. That's as much as everyone knows. Mm. It's very strange. What's the beauty for Scorsese is that Scorsese would always wants to be on the inside. You know, Scorsese uh, said, all I've ever wanted to be in my life is a gangster. <laughs> I've got the T-shirt. I bought one. And um, he always wants uh, an explanation for things. It's a bit like God. You know, if we didn't you know, have God, we'd have to make it up. If we didn't have an explanation for things, we'll make it up. Well, it's called conspiracy theories. And I think, in, and we'll have to get to this at some later stage, whether Scorsese has uh, the uh, directorial right to actually tie up, you know, certain explanations in mm. American history which merely confirm or deny other people's conspiratorial yes. theories. Is it a documentary, Scorsese? Yes. Is it? Is it? Mr. Scorsese. Is this a documentary? But <laughs> you have, you have this, um, the problem of, of uh, you, know, you know, we're dealing with a film and it's meant to be, um, you know, um, all films, you know, by nature, uh, that if it's not a documentary, well, it's obviously, it's a, it's a fantasy. It's expositional. Expositional. Well, you know, what's Apocalypse now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a war, we all know the war was real. Yes. But how far up the river do you need to go? All we're seeing are are takes on it. But I think in this case, we're actually seeing something like another documentary or reasoning of why John F. Kennedy was was killed uh, as being, you know, a a mafia uh, plot or whatever. And I'm not sure. Um, I liked. I preferred that that notion of John F. Kennedy's uh, death and uh, all that business in The Godfather as being uh, in the background. Um, this yeah. seems to be more direct, as if like you're on the inside. And this is what what troubles me about this movie. So should we have someone with this directorial, mm. you know, knowledge, like sort of giving us kind of answers or or confirming our conspiracy theories or not America or Australia or wherever you are? Um, is is that a, you know is that a a way to run uh, the film? And look, uh, it's just me. People people love the idea that there is an answer. Uh, ultimately, however, Scorsese puts himself in a position where he can say, maybe, maybe, mm. maybe not, maybe, maybe not. Maybe. So he's very clever in that way. And of course, he's relying on a version of a version of facts mm. to to make the story happen. And it's a beautiful story because it's a it's a romance story, essentially between two men. So it's like it's like a bromance sort of before bromancing was a thing. I'm sure Scorsese's you know. actually then, covered this before. <laughs> you know. We're not suggesting that Scorsese's going to be the 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 patron of the next Sydney Mardi Gras or anything like that. That's not our point. We're making we're talking strictly romance with a capital bro in front of it. Yes. You know what I'm saying? No offence to those people who are that way inclined either. Well, you've got to tread carefully these days. <laughs> but I would say that, you know, that when you talk about, um, you know, big issues like uh, the Mafia and Teamsters, mm. it was all about um, brothers together. Yes, absolutely, and the brotherhood. Had, and, and you've got uh, these Even parallel the societies, I suppose, and Frank is of one and uh, and you've got um, uh, the the Mafia uh, types who are, you know, uh, Given, you know, due time, you you do have this sort of uh, it's a, it's a true mafia movie. This the way that he's never done it before. Uh, you know, it was done in uh, The Godfather. You know, it was all about the mafia. Now we're actually we've got a final. We've got a Scorsese movie which is about the mafia. You know, really, like intrinsically about brotherhood and what you would do or not do, uh, a to survive or to be part of the you know the brotherhood and this is where uh, you have uh, you know the, uh, the the situation of uh, of, of um, Frank being torn between his um, beliefs or his friendship with Hoffa mm-hmm. and his the, the command really to do away with him the, is this, such a, such are we giving this film away <laughs> those of you who haven't seen it firstly prepare yourself for three hours that's the first thing. Bring a bring a cushion. <laughs> the second thing, uh, yeah, Hoffa 
mysteriously disappears in the end, just in case you didn't know. Well, that's right. Well, they never found well, Hoffa. They, they never know. They didn't. So this the the giveaway would be well, an explanation is given in as to why he disappeared. And we're not going to tell you that, mm. except you could probably fill in the gaps. I mean, Frank is a hitman who becomes gentrified in a way. Like he he's asked to have, pull his socks up, mm. and he kind of says, "Yeah, okay." Mm. And can I can I just let's go back? Um, we have to remember. We have to. Can re- we go back forty years? Can we? Yeah. I I can actually. I can go back like in a trice, <laughs> and I'm only thirty two, but. Um, you have, I think it's a very good role for for um, uh, for uh, Robert De Niro in that he is um, the peacemaker in the oldest movie. He is the one who is, uh, he's got... Well, ironically, it's ironic though. Mm. I mean, because he starts by just shooting people in the head. Yes. And well, you're he... talking about Taxi Driver and things like that. No, well, no, the... no. I, 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 no, I, no, Irishman. He starts I, Actually, off. I was going to go back even further. The 40 years oh, means right. that, okay. that he's an outsider... Uh, and in this film, in a way, he's still the outsider. He's still the guy, you know, in the leather coat. Like it could have, you know, Bickle T on the back of it, mm. you know, like Travis Bickle. Mm. Um, still, you know, wandering around, uh, given a break. He's an expensive Rutger Hauer. And then, and then he says, you know, do you paint houses? And he says, yes, I do. And then he becomes more experienced at it. And he's... Um, uh, a man who's put into a, a situation time and time again where he uses his street nows and his I, I, sense of what, uh, uh, not equivoc- it's not equivocation, it's uh, of, of being fair, you know, to each and every soul. But I still think that he gets sold out time and time again because he always has to do that particular nastiness mm. which solves the problem. He never seems to understand that there is a setup going on and that at some point it will implicate him. He's not quite clever enough. And I think that's interesting that De Niro, that, and that's why I suppose in terms of focusing on a scene, and that's why we call the podcast What's the Scene, that end sequence is so beautifully crafted in that the, the, the De Niro character, Frank, is seen to accommodate the truth of the situation, the the uh, what is uh, not explicitly stated in terms of his responsibility, and it's all done in this beautifully soft touch kind of way with uh, with the um, oh, who's the other guy? Crikey, I've just had a blank. Who's his um, little psychic? Oh, Joe Pesci, of course, mm. the Joe Pesci character, mm. which is Russell. Mm. He he sort of has to massage Frank into accepting that, yes, mm. Hoffer must die and you we're actually getting, are the one that has yeah, to do it. But we're getting it you know, in front of ourselves. Yeah, it's like it is what it is. Oh, that's, that's, that's the line. A... So what I've always wondered what that is, but it's, it's um. a bit like uh, it's fate. No, it is what it is. It is written. Doesn't doesn't Frank doesn't Frank try to speak that language to Al Pacino, the, the uh, Hoffa oh, character? Oh, there is a, a great, a great scene where he, he loves. He's torn between he says, two worlds, he says, isn't he? Come on, he's got the mafia on one side. He's I, been given the pinky ring, that magic pinky ring yeah. that's on his on his. Um, I don't his think Hoffa was getting it. Ring finger, yeah. Like he's married to the mob, mm. and uh, he said, "No, not only people." Pesci says, "No one has this." You're, about, you're only one of two or whatever has this. Mm. And so there's a great deal of responsibility. And he's in a way that, you know, he's, uh, we don't say he's bought off because he's earned it. You know, he's, he's and, this, and I would say at this stage he's, he's earned this because he's, in a way, we're dealing with someone like Scorsese, as he always says, who always suggests that we want to like him <laughs> but he's a thug and a killer, you know. And yeah. and this is the thing that the the beautiful thing Romance that Scorsese and and Tarantino does mm. that you get into someone's heads and they are capable of killing and shooting people on a whim or you know no, actually not a whim on purpose. And he does it, um, you know, for a cause of which uh, we 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 know not because he's sitting at the end, a broken man, um, totally alone, wondering why. He's there, like he's he's gone through the whole business. He's survived. Um, you'll notice his heart's the, broken. 
his heart's broken and his daughter doesn't talk to him. No, that's right. And that's yeah. beautifully put. Uh, the the daughter, when she's about uh, seven or eight, looks at him quizzically because she's onto him mm. in some way that the mother, uh, his wife, only sort of jousts at. Yeah. But will go with it. This is the thing about mob uh, wives is that they say, gee, it's great having all this money. And where does it come from? Well, mm. we collect garbage, don't we, for Sopranos or whatever. <laughs> but in this case, uh, it's a daughter there. And it's a very nice uh, touch, this, where, where uh, um, Scorsese puts in a kind of moral third party who stares at her dad and says, yeah. well, so what What about this? Having that second what are you doing now? That second degree of removal from the situation places the daughter in a really interesting... Uh, almost makes her... One of us who is battling with that same question, should I love him or not? Uh, and, of course, ultimately, I believe, and that's why I like the idea of focusing on the end sequence, even though somewhat it is obvious that we should focus on it, is this this love having to be redirected and having to be reshaped because the thing that the mob really liked about Frank, the De Niro character, being where he was, is that it, the proximity. They were very happy for him to be exactly where he was, mm. right next to Hoffer, literally in the same hotel room mm. together. Mm. They wanted him there so that the trigger could be pulled when the time came. Right. But the last mm. person to know about it is Frank. Is Frank. Yes. And, and he's sitting there hop, saying, that, but he doesn't actually... seem to love that. Well, the Scorsese version of mobs, Mob seems to love that. Mm. And, uh, and Frank is, um, you know, sitting in his uh, you know, little room at the end, you know, with a door, you know, a half a jar at the end saying, please don't lock me out. Don't close the door, yeah. Of everyone's lives. Mm. Because uh, what he's done, uh, we can't say it was altruism. We can't say that. But he did what he did because he was brought into you know, thrown into and, and into the vortex of uh, not not great mob. See, you, you'll notice about Frank, which is uh, different from other um, heroes, I suppose, of Scorsese movies, is he doesn't have money to flash about and it's not about throwing money around. Mm. It's about being a kind of enforcer. Um, they, they must have known about him because this is... A, uh, look, I'll, I'll go back to his daughter. His daughter uh, gets... Um, Kind of monster is the notion from the uh, the the grocer. Frank comes yeah. round, punches him out, breaks his hand. I thought I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, and he stomps yeah. on his hand. Daughter sees it, and daughter sees it, and that look, you know, from that point on, is uh, from one of the uh, the victims and the uh, and the victim, uh, the, the perpetrator, the perpetrator. You, yeah, you have this uh, this notion of mm. of, of guilt. And he goes through his uh, his uh, you know his career uh, doing the right thing. I mean, it's almost as if he's a truck driver from beginning to end. That's true. And this puzzles me about yeah. this character. Um, the thing about Scorsese is that he mythologizes and he wants to demythologize at the same time. Yeah. He wants it both no, ways. He wants the he wants the demigods. Yeah, he wants, he the wants human to humanize. That's what I'm yeah. talking about with the Sopranos and and all the other films that you know that comes through. They, they, they people have their own lives and the families and all that stuff. And the and the women smoking in the back that humanizes. <laughs> oh, can we stop now? And they smoke and they da 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 We'll do this, and and that makes them human. At the same time, they're working in the in the background, um, shaping uh, you know union deals history um you know in in the biggest sense mm. um and uh, and yet they have to deal with their own families and their own lives and their own uh conscience well that's one thing consciences. the the godfather movies were really revealing in that way because you are given permission to look into through the window of these closeted establishments you know i don't know you call them families but they're more like corporations really mm. Mm. So and these big houses and these uh, and we you drive around any major city and you go through those suburbs where it's mm. kind of like what's behind that massive wall mm. you know what's what's through those uh, those automatic gates what's what's the uh, what's the vibe inside that um, front room there you know yeah. one of one we, of thirty five rooms in the house so we with the with this we kind of get an the same sort of intimacy 
and it's easy to forget that most of the players in the film in terms of the history representing the history are big people are big players I know but the big players but there's there's no um there's no uh, soprano house or whatever or, or big room it's all done in bars yeah and or it's hotel all done, rooms yes it's it's all done in hotels it's and all often done falls asleep, falls asleep at the wrong time and yes it's <laughs> it's all done in in a, a restaurant where the only time we see a convivial scene with a, a man with his family and he gets his brains blown out <laughs> watch the film Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you have you, you, fantastic stand-up comedian played that role, uh, Mal- Malaschino. Oh, gosh, is he that good? Oh, he is absolutely hilarious, Sebastian Maniscalco. Is it? He's oh. fantastic. You got to check him out. All right, he's uh, well. Uh, we'll we'll give him that. But he plays a great. Uh, he was uh, the the loose goose in in uh, Manhattan, and uh, and they he had to a, rub him out. He was out. a boss with a. With a used-by date. Well, he wasn't a boss. He actually foot. went outside of all of the yeah. mafia connections. And again, you know, Frank. You know, we get Frank in because he'll be the one who is not the mafia hitman to do it, and therefore there won't be hell to pay. Mm. And so I think, in in some ways, Frank is used as, in a way as a kind of a pawn. You know, from yes. all the way through, all that, the way. Uh, even the killing of, or not let's say Hoffer or whatever, like all these imaginary deaths or whatever, uh, are done by this, uh, you know, imaginary man in the mythologizing of things. And this is the thing about mm. mythologizing: is that it's great. It, it's a, it's a very loose. In a way, the the film is a, is a bit sad because we will never know, and it's great and it looks good. But we'll never know, and it's just—it's yeah. like an explanation of you know fifty years of hits. That's true. It the is great sad. hits of the fifty years, <laughs> you know, that, that we will never know quite. You know. Well, that brings me to a question I was going to ask earlier without notice. What do we think about the the text on screen, as they say? They're actually referencing uh, either Drew killed or by you know s- some sequence as a consequence of the story that's being told, or it's stated very clearly with the text on screen that these uh, players within the mob scene do come to an untimely end. What do we think about this little bio, little bios that happen? What do we call them? The eulogies that pop up on screen. Well, the whole thing is a eulogy. You know, Tar- <laughs> Scorsese is saying, this, this is my last, I hope it is, <laughs> unless it's like Star Wars when they come back as mm. I... I'm your father, Frank. Is that you? You don't have Hoffa could uh, return. Hoffa returns. <laughs> the return of Hoffa. The head of Hoffa. But it the is Hoffa strikes back. This is a great eulogy <laughs> to the to the demise of uh, mobsterism in America. Okay. I, I mean, yeah. he's, he's done it quite often in uh, in previous movies. We've got. Uh, Goodfellas and you know all that you know all those lovely fun time things where everyone's live and vital and stealing and it's fun and it's <laughs> if you like sort of fun and mayhem it's death mm-hmm. everywhere and you know it's all the mobs things and it's great looking into the stuff this you actually see people falling out of wheelchairs and and um, you know yeah. playing bowls at the end and you see at the end of it what I will say though um, and I've, I've thought about. Uh, you know what? How uh, Scorsese works or doesn't work is that he never actually indicates what is taking the place of this. So did you know? Um, you know, if John F. Kennedy gets killed and his, his uh, lovely brother, you know, um, uh, who's after the Teamsters, um, he does. Yeah. Um, get, you know, gets gets killed as well. Um, where does America go? It seems to be a very nihilistic. Robert, Robbie, Robert Robbie Kennedy, Kennedy was yeah. after them. This is this is, this is the whole business. Yeah, of, well, they, it's all the, about Robert all well, the way through. Well, it seems to be. You know, that the, the, you know the if if you look at it, you know, the Kennedys are meant to be held up by the mafia, and then you know there will be you know sweet to the mafia, and then Robbie Kennedy, you know, being the attorney, what does all yeah, these yeah. things, and he's hounding them, and Hoffer as well, and all sort of business, you know. Um, uh, is it true? We don't know. Um, you know, was Robert killed uh, for this reason? We don't know. But um, it, at the end of it, in this film, I don't know the demise of gangsterism. Is it still going or has uh, it has something taken its place? And this is the thing. It seems to be well, like has a, a long face? shade comes down on, yeah. on American mobsterism 
and uh, and there's nothing left. Once again, it's, it's di- not the end of it. I'm sure it's director playing God a little bit. Yes, is he suggesting that this is sort of like a crescendo of sorts in terms of the the mobster? Uh, Tradition in mm. terms of the Godfather understanding. Well, in, in, in terms of the um, Scorsese saying this this marks a point. Yes, whereas think, mobsters gen, mobsters genuinely genuinely are thinking, have a springboard. You know what? Um, business didn't change. Mm. We kept on going as we. That's exactly as right. We are. And if you look at um, the trilogy of the Godfather, yeah, they, they end up you know with the, the great. Um, Gangbang, if you like, of killing all of all of the um, the um, the uh, the, the uh, opponents mm. at the end of the film yeah. means that that family is going to take off and then rule the world again with even more cohesiveness. With this, yeah. you have the actual breaking away. The, it does the seem, corruption yeah. mm. and and final demise of it. And I think this it's an interesting notion here because. Uh, uh, Scorsese lets it all, you know, fade away into um, decrepitude. It's a weird place to end the story of gangsterism in the in the US. Yes, <laughs> in it, a there retirement was no, village. There was no hope for it, you know. And it, we saw it from the end, you know, as as he does. He has someone in the wheelchair at the start, and at the end of it, we see what all this, you know, it's not even vital. It's all about the control of money. We do get the idea of you know Cuba being you know one, they want to get back Cuba and and they want to get back Vegas and they want to have the money that's um, from the Teamsters Union. All that sort of stuff goes around. But in the end of it, there's no um, there's no fatality in the actual characters. And this is why, in some ways, you're not seeing the high life, which I really liked out of Scorsese movies. Yeah. You just see these people doing business. That's right. It's, it's, and it's really the business of doing business, which is the, kind of banal. It's like you, you might get invited to the wedding, Godfather, but what's going on in that back room when he's shaking everyone's hand and... Like you want to look inside that, don't yeah. you? Want to go into the office, yeah. but like, mm. what you would have to do to get in there is yeah. ridiculous. Well, and Frank doesn't even know. You know, Frank only gets signals. You know, from exactly. Things. He he's just so, works he's on a signals. Porn. He says, yeah, you know, when 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 he's talking to his, um, you know, his little mate, he says, uh, well, we got to do this, and uh, you know, and he's brought in, and uh, and he doesn't know the workings, and in some ways we don't either, because at the end they say, "Oh no, this is from way higher up," and, and so Joe we're Pesci's higher up. We don't Joe even Pesci's get not that. Even the top guy. This is my disappointment with the film. We do not have the higher up that you know, the Godfather, you know, even gives us, you know, because we at least we have in the Godfather. Godfather, we only get uh, kind of. Uh, I'm always thinking that. There are underlings, you know, and, and then they, they keep saying, oh, well, it's not our decision. You know, it is what it is. And Hoffa has to die because, you know, it's from, we've got, a, you know, from the hierarchy. And I'm thinking, well, we're outside of our uh, knowledge zone here. I want to be, I wanted to be more into it. Like three hours of watching this, I thought I wanted to be more, you know, in touch with who was pulling shots. And, yeah, the pulling, the, who was pulling the big the, yeah. the strings? I suppose maybe Godfather could be criticised for for simplifying all that a little bit, but I mean it is called the Godfather. <laughs> so suggestion is that he was the, there was one. he was the boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like the Harvey Keitel character, who seemed to be, in terms of status, above the Joe Pesci character, isn't he sinister? Oh, he's I sinister. love Harvey Keitel. Can I say again? Yes, you can. I've said it uh, over and over. In, uh, in my dealings with you, and if you're listening to this for the first time, listener, uh, Harvey Keitel is one of those be- people, actors, who can actually uh, become invisible within himself. You see a character and you think, who the hell is that? And you, you, and you want to, and you can't do it in the cinema, stop the film and say, who is that man? He yeah. is great. He is, uh, he is uh, completely enveloped a character, and you think, yes, it's Harvey. Yeah. yeah, he's very much like It could like be sport, a... you know, sport in uh, Taxi Driver, you know, and you think, wow, you know, who's that, you know, guy in the white T-shirt there flicking the cigarette butt into uh, Travis Bickles, you know, said, you know, get out of here, you know, go back to your tribe. Uh, and you think, wow, he's a scene stealer yeah, oh, all the he time. Is. When, it, when it does he the is. camera and, and your eyes want to go to him, I think one of the great unsung heroes of American 
Well, like we said last time, he's made some interesting decisions for himself. He's turned down lead roles because he's found more validity in doing the uh, the lesser roles, and and as a consequence, fleshed them out for his own purposes. But in some ways, for the that's what, what great character actors did. Yeah. When, when you think of it, and I'm talking, you know, with it's the true. benefit of age here again, oh. uh, you know, young listeners or old listeners, <laughs> is that uh, the great character actors uh, would still still seen like that because they didn't have to do or well not didn't have to do but you know the the actor was coming in our, our hero or heroine was in there and they would be there and they would just be your eye would be drawn to them yeah. because they had a uh, actually Harvey Keitel's um, um, uh, speeches in there aren't uh, crazily important but it's just his the way that the whole gravity it devolves around him. Your eye goes to him. The little mustache that he has there, and I think, oh Lord, that is Harvey. At the end of it, yeah, he's he, he's an amazing man. He's got that. Uh, I suppose in terms of the narrative, however, it's not even clear what his position is. But he, we know that he's above Joe, the Joe Pesci character. So there's this. The, the sense of hierarchy is kind of very obscure. Well, this is what gives me a headache. Yeah. Because I never know what the, the, the hierarchy is. And we, want to see, it, we want to see Marlon Brando stroking a pussycat <laughs> uh, walk in from the back room <laughs> and go, Oh, I'm a pussycat. But he doesn't. He doesn't do that. Yes. He, he <laughs> somehow Hulk Harvey Keitel. That's very good. I like is that. the man. Yeah, yeah. He um, just he just does it. He's just there. He just is a figure of pure power. Yeah, That's the thing. it does. Yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, when when power comes, and it's all about power and and sharing and and, and enveloping and devouring. Um, it's beautiful because because Frank is actually afraid of him when mm. they first when that first. Uh, well, Frank is going to. Go around and set fire to the clothes factory, yeah. the material, the yeah. sh- whatever it was. Oh, look, and look, let's and put this back. I love this. I love this idea. I, I love the way that Frank comes into it and he's afraid of this and afraid of that and it, they, he will burn down the dry cleaning place or whatever, which is, you know, licensed to print money or whatever. Um, is he an everyman? Who, Frank? Yeah. Well, in that... I like, are we talking about, this, you know, the everyman... Ignorance? I'm not thinking so. You know, <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking about the every man who is, you know, willing to be corrupted. You know, this is the thing about these movies that just drives me crazy, is that we're not here. Someone who we see the, the seeds of goodness at any stage, because he, he stomps on wow. the, the the grocer's hand and all that sort of yeah. stuff. We know that he has the seeds of his destruction in his own, uh, you know, mind. And he is then utilised by, you know, do you paint houses? And then, you know, what, what's come of this? Where, is there a, 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 a moral or ethical equivalence sort in of a, all of this that we a, can... Uh, who do we bond to in this, for God's sake? Well, it's a connection with Blade Runner, which we talked about last last episode, where, the, you know, does the robot end up being more human than we are sort of thing? Does the, home, the robot's given the, the privilege the joy of seeing all these extraordinary things and never and, and having the responsibility of telling us about it, you know, instead of us being the ones that sort of see it firsthand. So it's a similar sort of way that we just spend three hours with psychopaths. Is that what this movie's about? And we go. Can we just call this we three go, hours with psychopaths? <laughs> I think it it writes itself. And we just look because for the course, human, as you the said, human I've got nothing to give you except. A psychopathic view of 50 years of American development. Yes, absolutely. You know, whether you're, you know, because a lot the of The psychopath this, has a lot well, of, needs, needs a lot of credit when it comes to <laughs> well, the development right. of American you know, society. I try. I, I just can't, you know, I'm, I'm not good at it. <laughs> Other people would disagree. Some psychopaths are better than but others. But the thing is that <laughs> you've, you've got here, and, and look, a lot of these movies, there are crowd scenes in this movie that a lot of people, uh, you know, are there and are clapping their hands. I'm not talking about Frank's uh, farewell or whatever, but uh, when Hoff is talking to people, you've got Teamsters, you know, and it's about the men in America and they're driving trucks and they're, they're waving their hands 
hands and are saying we want a fair wage and yeah. uh, this is the uh, the way that America should be and and Hoffer is and, and you know we haven't even talked about Hoffer yet but you know Hoffer you know is there to to give them their fair wage you know whether whatever happens to their uh, funds or after he wanted I think we're meant to uh, think that Hoffer wants the best for his union, so that unionism mm. can can survive in that country, and uh, you know the small people are there, and they're just and they're, and they're for, and it's the little men in this thing that aren't really represented so much, except to clap hands mightily. That's true. So that, which we're do. dealing with this kind of middle management kind of notion here about this this Hoffer, this triad yeah, yeah. Uh, of uh, Hoffer and um, Mafia and Frank. You know, and, and Frank's the peacemaker. And Hoffa's catchphrase throughout it is my union. He refers to it as my union, which is in a strange sort of way. Is one of those things where, well, who possesses that thing? Who's in possession of that? What, what's my union? <laughs> it's my union. I can't give it up. Frank tries to be pleased with him. He says, you know, look, all you have to do is just walk away. It's a bit like Frank at the end, the Joe Pesci character says to him, look, you're going to have to do this thing. You're going to have to do it. And part of the reason why you have to do it is so that you and your family can live <laughs> yeah. without being so explicit. That's more or less what he says. Yeah. And of course, Frank. What's well, married politely, to the mob business, isn't it? Yes, you know? he's married to the mob, yeah. and and, and, and Joe Pesci, and Pesci, it's done. Yeah. And, and he Frank brings degrees bring, of sadness. He brings it on himself because he says, you know, that I want you, Frank, um, um, uh, Jimmy. Can you give me the award at my awards night? Oh, uh, no, yeah. And of course, that is, you know, you one brings. It's like he's trying to be made a made man in two different well. That, worlds. That's it. I mean, he straddles yeah. the two worlds. You know, he's he, he wants to be the the driver that he started off being, mm. and yet he's caught up in all these things where he's making a bit of money on the side, and then the mafia takes on, yeah. and this is the great kind of conundrum that Frank has to deal with, and he does it uh, to the end of his life to the. You know, to the destruction of his family and um, and all of the relationships he's ever had. He's you know, he's very bringing loyal. wheelchair, he's wheeling very wheelchair. Loyal. Well, that's yeah, exactly. Yeah, battery powered. He's uh, he's very loyal ultimately, even though he freely accepts that he's been kept in the dark for a lot of what it is that he has to do. He's, you know, this whole idea of it, it is what it is. It's kind of like oh. That's that's a uh, very much a strange thing. We might have camping here. No, we're right. But that's why I suppose why we have our we have our sympathies with with Frank. The idea that you know he's he's never really in the picture as to what he has to do mm. to to make himself right with the mob. Well, he's driving and, the car. The right he's driving like the they, car. He, well, the whole thing is a road movie, right? I know, that is. And who is he driving? He's driving the mob boss with the two wives in the back saying, "Can we smoke? Can we smoke now?" All that sort of uh, stuff. He's a delivery boy. From the beginning to the end, he doesn't even know he has to fly somewhere. Yeah, to kill and I this think it's it, it extremely. It's a sad um, movie, and it's a sad um, picture of uh, you know a man who I suppose wants to be good and wants to do the right thing by his family, but ultimately he's a, he's always delivering something. He's delivering you know the the uh, paint job. If you like, yeah. you know, from one to the other, to put yeah. him on the plane, he gets on the plane willingly. I mean, there's no hoo ha and whatnot. They fly him and they fly him out. He's done the hit back into the car, and and then we go again. Um, mm. I I I just think it's it's kind of tragic. It doesn't appear to me tragic. Uh, this and I don't think Scorsese is capable of doing a tragic movie, because you can't do a tragedy necessarily with a with a voiceover. I'm sorry that that's not what it's going to be, um, but he does mm. do great kind of pastiche, um, you know, you know, uh, pieces that are you know, linked together with 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 this. And this is what I think is a deep flaw in this movie. Mm. I would love to have seen this movie. I would love to him to actually try to do this movie without that classic narrative. But you know, you you know, some some uh, directors do it. It's because he's always done it. 
well, let's do it again, and everyone accepts it. That's his shtick. It's true, and also bio, bios, biographicals, do lend themselves to voiceovers and narratives. So he's, he almost gets a bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card there because there's so much expositional stuff that has to be kind of put in place that is attached to reality, things that actually happened. Well... that So... If he had never really had relied on you know voiceovers in the past or or this sort of narration, he might have used it in this context. I would lo- I mean, the Last Temptation of Christ didn't have a narrative, which is great because we all kind of know the story. Mm. That was a bit of a gimme. And when you'd find someone hard pressed to play a decent God, mm. God, and then my son, mm. yes, but. <laughs> And it came, and it came to pass. Is what they usually start. But um, I mean, we've done David Lean films. Uh, hopefully, you can find them on a, in a store near you, uh, where we've seen David Lean do a, a three-hour, three and a half-hour version of um, of um, Lawrence of Arabia mm. without a narrative. It's not as it's if true. you need to have one. It's is it is it because you know it is it is so. Um, I mean, I, the the detail of all these people who come and go or whatever, I mean, if, I, I will notice, if, if I haven't spoken this before, what I love about this movie is it's about, you see the degeneration of the mob and all that sort of stuff and you have these sort of freeze frames when he says, uh, and there, there was two, there were, there's one that I, that I love in particular, but you'd see it freeze frames as, Killed by three guns in the well, head. That's you know, they, about before, they, it, would, yeah. it would stop. Yeah. But there was one beauty where he says, uh, <laughs> the, the fellow says, uh, says Johnny Robocco, you know, um, uh, died in his sleep, much loved. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, it was a, it's a yeah, beautiful old thing. Man died yeah, in old his man sleep. died in his sleep. You yeah. got it. You remember that one. <laughs> and I thought that was very, uh, it was very good. And and I and that would to it's, me it's, was a turning point in the film for me. It stood alone. I felt uh, yeah. after that that you know you didn't always have to uh, do wrong by the mob and then to be rubbed out. But this is the how further it, the further he went down the timeline, the gentler the deaths deaths became because well like they saying, were still killed. There was the demise of gangsterism. You know, we're seeing people getting to a point where they they, they retire. You know, <laughs> can you they retire? Don't, yes, they don't expire. They reti- <laughs> they retire. Yeah. Well, actually, I've always said people retire. You. Yeah, that's one true. One doesn't retire. But the uh, the thing is, that, is that what we're meant to see of uh, American history? Is that um, it, it is just this grasping of people who um, demand power and who are rubbed out or, you know, in, in let's say, in uh, you know, Anglo-Saxon territory, retired. Yeah. In, in, so you can actually be all paid off or whatever. Mm. So is this what we're meant to see is the ultimate end of america is that uh we just give and take and grab and and uh what is the end of this i i, I find this a very nihilistic movie and uh it, it it's not happy I'm, I'm not happy with the ending of it um and and the thing is that he, he's not given us a, an alternative it you know as he doesn't usually after like what go back to taxi driver or mean streets people die done gone mm. everyone's gone there is no hope. And in this yeah. way, there is no hope either. We're left in a kind of desolate, mm. uh, you know, ambi- ambiguous, uh, you know, wasteland mm. where no one is one. Now, do we fast forward to the Wolf of Wall Street? Is that where we're meant to go? Is this this, this oh. thing? Are we meant to go into the old lampshades of the 1940s and 50s and, mm. you know, the and, and tables and having shots and all that sort of stuff? Um and why? Yeah. Is it Klugers? Is that what they are? There's Klugers under the table? Lugers. Lugers, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't think they use Lugers. Lugers under the table. I, I well, do like the whatever. trope. If we're talking about tropes, and we were talking about them, he says Shorn the guns. Off, the guns on the shotguns. The guns on the on the bed. So what? So what do we use? If you use a forty-four, it's too loud. You know they'll come running. If you use a thirty-two, you da da da. And that's very much um, out of uh, Taxi Driver when uh, it is, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's when, the look at look at when Travis is at buying guns and he puts mm. them out and says, "This is a killer." This is a, and it, it's this love of gun culture as well. That that I mean, the tropes are out. I mean, they're they are. You know, we have. Do we have enough time to talk about tropes? Probably not. <laughs> 
We don't. In fact, we've run out of time. Oh, there's so much more to talk about. Wow. I suppose this film is a is a history lesson. It is, and it's um, it's hopefully um, it's it uh, will be remembered as one of the great um, uh, films of, uh, and should be uh, given some golden globes. Golden, solid gold globes. All right. I hope you enjoyed that one. Speak to you next time. Bye bye.